Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. Text of Galatians 5 in front of you. Let me just tell you that the beginning point, the middle point, and the end point of our thoughts together this morning is found in Galatians 5.25, which is, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I want to start with the glory of God. Seems like a good place to begin. But there's an absolute majesty to who God is. Uh, we see his glory in the creation around us. And while cynics might point out to uh, things that are challenging or things that are, 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 are um, uh, confusing to us, what we know is that God created the universe absolutely good. When he created the universe, everything was in its place, doing what it was supposed to do, in perfect concert and harmony with the rest of the universe. Even the human race, even our first parents, were perfectly situated in God's universe. And to his glory, their every need was met, and to his glory, their every purpose was fulfilled. I want to begin with the glory of God because that is the aiming point of our lives, really, uh, that we might give him the honor and the praise. The problem is that we have rebelled against him. Uh, the Bible calls that sin. Uh, what has happened is that we took the glory of God for granted. We decided that this universe was here uh, for our own uh, use and benefit. We decided that God wasn't doing a good enough job as Lord of creation and that we needed to take over. And so we decided what was right in our own eyes. We've gone our own way. We have followed our own passions. Uh, and as a result, the universe is out of kilter. It's a technical Greek term. Uh, it's broken. Uh, the universe is not behaving the way it ought to behave. And the human race certainly is not behaving the way we ought to behave. And so now there is a great gulf between the glory of God and who we are. Did you listen to the ladies? There's a bridge across the great divide. There's a bridge that spans the distance. And it's the cross of Jesus Christ who shed his blood for our sins. Uh, when he died, um, the, 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 the guilt and the shame that is rightfully ours was placed upon him. When he died, the penalty for our sin, which is God-forsakenness, that was placed upon Jesus Christ. When he died, all of the weight and the burden of our sin was placed upon him that we might be forgiven. The righteousness of God vindicated in demanding uh, the, the, the penalty of sin and yet the mercy of God on display in that he took that upon himself through his son Jesus Christ. And so the great divide between the glory of God and our sinfulness is spanned in Jesus Christ and all we need do is come to the cross and there in faith, simply accept the gift, 
Simply believe this is what God has done. Believe that he is Lord. Believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. And we are saved at that moment. And this is available to all. This is available to every human being, to every sinner, to just come to the cross, accept Christ, and there you are brought across the great divide and brought into the presence of God the Father for his glory. Oh, the glorious majesty of God. Now the thing is, once you have done that, and I pray that you have, and if you haven't, uh, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to work in your heart for these next few moments. But when you come across that great divide and you've, you've been uh, you know, where the sin is and now you've come across by the cross of, of Jesus Christ and now you're in the presence of the Father, the question is now what? What happens next? I mean, this is a really good thing. My sins are forgiven, and I have a home in heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm secure in the, in the hands of God. He'll, he'll never drop me or leave me. I'm, I'm absolutely secure. But what happens next? And there are really two answers that a lot of people give. The one answer is religion. The next thing you need to do is to get religious. You know, you've come to the cross, you've been saved by grace, and oh, what a liberating experience that is. We just sang about that. You know, just set free in Christ. And, and, and that's marvelous experience. And then along comes somebody and says, well, now you need to get religion. Now, now that you've, you've been saved by faith, now what you need to do is you need to cross all the T's and dot all the I's, unless, unless you're, you're, you're studying the Hebrew text, and then it's dot all the I's and cross all the T's because we go backwards in Hebrew. But anyway, <laughs> you have to stay awake, folks. But someone comes along and says, now you need religion. Now you need to make sure that, that you're towing the line according to the handbook. You know, you need to be in the right church, worshiping the right way, singing the right hymns. Oh, you sang the wrong hymn, and, and, and you know, you're not religious enough. Now you've got to come over. How do I know what the right hymn is? It's all the hymns that I like. Those are the right hymns. The one I don't like, those are unspiritual. Don't sing those. Sing mine. And so you have to do that. And then, and then you've got to keep all the rules and the regulations. And if you slip up, why, you know, God's just going to pound you. And if he doesn't, I will for him. And, and so you, you get this religion thing, and it's this tremendously burdensome thing, this, this weighty experience experience that says, you know, now that you've come to Jesus, you better, better toe the line, you better behave. This is what the folks were saying to the Galatian Christians, the false teachers came in. They said, yeah, this is wonderful. You've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but now you need the law. Now you need to keep all the regulations that we've come up as, as, as a part of the Jewish tradition. You need to keep the food laws and the Sabbath laws, and, and, you, and you need to keep definitely all the moral injunctions, and, and you have to observe the rites of circumcision, and you need to be a part of the temple worship and all this you need to get religion now and so having come across the great divide into the glory of God somebody comes along and says now let's get religion and you and you you believe them because it sounds good and it sounds like something you can do and so you, you start being religious and you try to keep all the laws and you try to make sure you're doing everything right you try to make sure you have your quiet time and you're so proud of yourself when three days in a row you have quiet time and, and you know and all this other business and you wind up drained and you wind up lifeless. And you wonder, you know, what's going on here? I came to Christ for eternal life, not for eternal drudgery. 
I came to Christ because of the grace of God, not because he's, he's up in heaven with a divine clipboard waiting to zap me if I ever you know, step out of line. This religion thing isn't cutting it. But the, 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 the folks came into the Galatian churches and said, you need religion. You need to be more religious. And I can tell you that'll just, just tie up in knots and leave you cold and wondering what happened. And then another group comes along and says, hey, hallelujah, you've been saved by grace. You've come into the presence of God by grace. You know, it doesn't matter what you do, God just loves you. you know, it doesn't matter what you do, God's a God of grace. We know he loves you. That's his job. He has to forgive you. So really don't worry about it. Don't, you know, all those guilt things, don't worry about those. You know, all the, all the things that the church is telling you, no, just don't worry about that. Just go and live in grace and just, just be free and do whatever you like. I mean, this is, this is why Paul has that, that verse in Galatians where he says, for freedom Christ has set us free. You know, he has set us free from the law, free from our sin, free from human religion. Christ has set us free. But don't let that freedom turn into license. In other words, don't think for a moment God has set you free from God. You know, he set you free from your sins. And, and, and it, it, you know, the, the attitude that some take is, well, now, now I can just go and do as I please. Or the more subtle aspect of that is, you know, now that your sins are forgiven, uh, it doesn't really matter much how much you worship, how much you thank God, how you praise God. Uh, you know, after all, um, I can worship God on the golf course. You know, that's not true. You lose your faith on the golf course. <laughs> You know, but, but other things are important. You know, I spend time with my family. Here's what it means to spend time with the family on Sunday morning. All right? Used to be the kids would read the funnies while the parents slept late. I'm seeing blank stares from half the congregation. Funnies? What are funnies? Yeah. Um, the kids, yeah, the kids watch a DVD while, 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 while the parents sleep late. You know, but, but, you know, family time is more important. Well, we, we've got this activity, that activity. You know, we just don't need to be. After all, we're saved by grace. We're not saved by religion, not saved by church. And so, so you go to the other extreme where, yeah, you're saved. I mean, thank and praise God that we are saved by the grace of God, not by our performance. But then we take that for granted and we live this sort of uh, 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 the libertine lifestyle with license that, that says, well, it doesn't matter if I ever pay attention to God. Yeah, I'll, I'll read the Bible every time somebody gives me a Bible for Christmas. I open it up, I see the inscription, I read it, I take it to church the next Sunday, I leave it in the pew, I don't miss it, and it winds up in the lost and found. So there's these two extremes, and one says, you've got to get really, really religious. You've got to be really hardline and, 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 and rigid on this. And the other says, no, just don't worry about it. Just do what you feel like doing. And Paul says, the, the actual path that God has set for us is, he has brought us out of our sin, across the divide, into the presence of the glory of the Father, for the sake of the Father, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are saved from our sins. We are saved unto the glory of God. And the way that takes place is by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In our lives. That's why we've been looking at uh, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, it, it, it all started earlier up, uh, oh, where is it? Uh, well, let's start. Look at 516. If you've got five, all you need to do is hit it with your thumb once and you'll scroll up there. It says, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I mean, that's what he's been talking about this whole time. That's what we've been looking at for the last nine, ten weeks. If you walk by the Spirit, 
then you will not gratify the flesh. In other words, if the Holy Spirit is leading you, then you're not just giving in to these human motivations. Religion is a human motivation. You know that, don't you? Religion is what man says man can do to reach God. Grace, by the way, is what God does to reach us. But when you're living by the flesh, living according to your own design and your own uh, desires and, and just you know, according to your own wisdom, what seems best to you, that's living according to the flesh that results in the deeds of the flesh that we looked at, you know, the, the, these horrific sins and, and, and uh, kinds of dysfunctionalities that come into human life. But, but living by the flesh also results in just ignoring God and sort of leaving him out and, and maybe giving him lip service, but there's no real life service going towards the Father. And so Paul says if you, if you have this problem with living by the flesh and that's what religion is and that's what this, this uh, license is, that's living by the flesh, but the answer to that is to walk by the Spirit, to walk in the Holy Spirit of God. Now let me point out something about that word walk. All right. In verse 16, 516, it says, uh, I, I say, walk by the Spirit. Then if you look at 522, the Scripture says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, if you were raised on King James as I was, uh, <laughs> I actually knew King James. But the, um, uh, uh, <laughs> that second verse is also walk in the Spirit. Now, this will surprise you, but there are two Greek words for walk. Um, in, in the first instance, in verse 16, the word that is used is peripateo. I'm looking for the light of understanding, not seeing. Okay, uh, peripatetic philosophy. Debbie said yes, but she was in the first service. <laughs> it's a philosophical school. The word peripateo means to walk around, and that's, that's the, 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 in, in verse 16. It says, Walk around in the Spirit. The Spirit becomes your environment. Every, everywhere you go, you're walking in the environment of the Holy Spirit. He, he's the context in which everything that you do and see um, uh, comes to you. He's the lenses through which you see the world. He's, he's the guide by which you know what to do. He's the, the strength and the encouragement by which you reach out uh, in the name of Christ and dare great things for Christ. So that first word, peripateo, has the picture behind it of, of just walking around in the Holy Spirit. So that, that's the first one. And then in verse 25, uh, the ESV translates it walk in step with the spirit because it's a different word it's not peripateo it is stoikeo still looking for the words and not seeing it okay stoikeo is a Greek word that means to walk in line it, it's, it's sort of the children's game follow the leader you know, wherever the leader goes, that, that's where you're going. And, and you're just following the leader, and whatever he or she does, that, that, that's what you're doing. And so Stoikeo has the idea of being in line with somebody who's leading the way. And that's why you can translate it as walk, but it's not um, emphasizing the fact that that's the context, but it's saying that is the direction, that is the definition of your walk. So when Paul says in Galatians 5.25, uh, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, he's saying the Holy Spirit then becomes the definition of our life. Where the Holy Spirit goes, that's where we go. Where the Holy, when the Holy Spirit speaks, that's what we say. What the Holy Spirit is doing, that's what we do. And so the entirety of Christian life is not rigid man-made religion and it's not this license that leaves God out, but rather it is a life that is directed by, defined by, filled by the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, that's a radically different way to look at life in the Spirit.
Now, I was raised in the good old days of Southern Baptist life. When I was coming up in church, I love saying things like this. Coming up in church, we never talked about the Holy Spirit. We never talked about the Holy Spirit. And the reason for that was the Pentecostals had the Holy Spirit. And we weren't going to be like that. You know what those Pentecostals do? First, they raise their hands in worship. We are not doing that. I still don't do that. I do in my heart, John. <laughs> really, honestly, I do. But, uh, uh, you know, but, but we can't be like that. And, what, you know, and then, of course, you know, there's the whole speaking in tongues thing. And, you know, that, that, you know, that's just too emotional and all that. But what happened somewhere in the late 60s, it had to do with the charismatic movement. Um, suddenly, Baptists, of all things, started reading their Bible. And when you read the Bible, what you find out is the Holy Spirit's everywhere. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It really is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That was back then we said it that way, Holy Spirit now. And so we, we discovered, again, that the Holy Spirit is actually um, the, the integral um, presence of God that integrates us into God's plan and direction for our lives. And so we started to understand that. And now as you read through the scripture, if, you, if your antenna is up and you're looking for this, you will discover the Holy Spirit is, is working throughout every facet of Christian life. So no longer man-made religion or man-licensed, you know, just do as you please, but rather in the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, directed, defined by the Holy Spirit, that's what the Christian life is. So having come across the great divide and come across from our sin into the presence of God, the glory and the holiness of God, what next? Walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Let your life be about what the Holy Spirit is about. Well, what is that? Well, that's why we looked at the fruit of the Spirit. Again, I remind you, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all, all that. These are not things that we do to earn the Spirit. I understand what people are saying when they say, I'm practicing the fruit of the Spirit. But sometimes what, what folks mean is, I'm trying to be better on my own. I'm trying real hard to be patient. I'm trying real hard to have more joy. I'm trying real hard to be more loving. I'm trying real hard to have more self-control. And I'm I'm trying to practice the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And becomes a new legalism. But Paul doesn't introduce the law through the back door here. He says, look, this is fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is bringing about the love and the joy and the peace and the patience, the kindness, the goodness. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so the, um, the, the, the picture of the, of, of the Christian life that we see here is one of living in the Holy Spirit of God, where the Holy Spirit is producing these things. Now, um, what, what a liberating truth that is. Uh, I can remember uh, just about, it was just, just about like an epiphany, you know, with the lights from heaven and the Charlton Heston voice. Now, it, it was almost that dramatic to me the moment the moment I realized that all the things the Bible says we are to do, I don't have to do them on my own strength. I don't have to find my own ability to do those things. It's not as though the Bible says, here's what you need to do. You need to be more forgiving. Now, go and develop this within yourself. You know, th- this isn't like joining a sports team where, okay, you can be on the team as, as long as you can hit a baseball. So go home, put the ball on the tee, hit the ball, hit the ball, try, try to learn how to b- hit a baseball. Once you can hit a baseball, now you can be on the team. No, God does it all. 
by the power of his Holy Spirit. Which means that when I come to that point where it's really hard to be forgiving, you know, it's not as though I have to reach down within myself and find the energy to forgive somebody. It is more like I just have to let the Holy Spirit put my eyes on Christ who forgave me. You know, you know and once you see Jesus and the Holy Spirit is, is pointing him out and saying, you remember what, what, what Jesus did with the thief on the cross? You remember when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples? You remember when Jesus died for you and God showed his love for you and that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you? You remember all that? And so the Holy Spirit is pointing all those things out. Suddenly, you don't have to go find forgiveness in yourself. It is given to you by God. This doesn't mean you'd sit around in, 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 in fuzzy slippers eating bonbons and wait for God to do everything. It is rather the Holy Spirit is the energy and the guide and the resource and, and, and is the empowerment to live for Christ. So that's what Paul is talking about. That's why we've been looking at this. It's the, the what comes next. You know, how, do, how do we live then? And it's not religion, and it's not license. It is rather life in the Holy Spirit. Now, um, by the way, this isn't optional. This is not an option. It's not as though you, you come into the glory of God and he says, well, now that you're here, we also have available, if you would like, life in the Holy Spirit. No, no, I don't care for that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well set for that. Oh, okay, it was just not. You can't get to the Father without the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that brought you to the Father. Let me see if I can show you that. Just, just from Galatians, look back at chapter 3. And uh, where is it? Oh, verse 2. Now, by the way, this, this is the point at which Paul is turning the argument um, uh, about the place of the law and he's going to talk about Abraham and Sarah and the bond woman and the free woman and, and it's, it's going to get pretty tight in there but before he starts in on all that he just says in verse 2 to the Galatians says, uh, this is 3-2 let me ask you only this did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith are you so foolish having begun by the spirit are you now being perfected by the flesh says, that's how you started. You began by the Holy Spirit. Jesus died for our sins, let's say roughly 2,000 years ago. You didn't care until the Holy Spirit opened your eyes and you saw what he had done. Even those of us who grew up in church, I mean, uh, we, we grew up in church and we heard the Bible stories and we knew Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus died on the cross, I need to ask Jesus in my heart, I know all that. Yeah, all that was, was going through the head and creating the environment, but it takes the Holy Spirit to, to implant that in the heart of a child and to grow it and to make it a mature faith, okay? So the Holy Spirit is what brings us to Christ. Uh, let me give you another, another verse on that. Um, Yeah, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 6. This is Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And then very quickly, let me remind you there, you're writing in the margin, Trinity God, the Father, sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Yeah. This is what the Holy Spirit does, brings us to that intimate, personal relationship with God 
that is available only through Jesus Christ. By the way, this, this is the kind of verse that keeps us from just believing in God and stuff. You, know, you ask anybody, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God and stuff. You know, it's a very generic kind of thing. You, you ask him what it is. You know, somebody stands up in front of us and they say, I grew closer to God. I understand what they mean. And I praise God for that. But understand that phrase, I grew closer to God, could be said in a church, in a synagogue, in a mosque, in a temple, Hindu temple. I mean, a lot of folks say, I grew closer to God, you know. And what does that mean? Here's what we mean when we say it around here. I grew closer to God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I grew closer to the God who's the, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who brought Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and established him in the promised land. I believe in the God who brought Israel out of Egypt through Moses and, and brought them to the promised land and established them as his people. I believe in God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died for my sins. I believe in God who established the church by the power of his Holy Spirit. This is the God I believe in. And this is the God to whom I have grown closer. It's not a generic God. It is this specific God. And so the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, and it's by the power and the working and the grace of the Holy Spirit that we cry out, Abba, Aramaic, Father. It's a very intimate relationship. It's the relationship Jesus had with his Father in heaven. We are given that same relationship now with our Heavenly Father. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit brings us to Christ, brings us to the Father. The Holy Spirit brings us out of the darkness into the light. See, this is why living as a Christian believer apart from the Holy Spirit is simply impossible. In fact, it's not just impossible, it doesn't make any sense. Life in Christ is life in the Holy Spirit. Maybe your reaction is, well, that's, that's fine, but it's a little spooky for me. Without the Holy Spirit, you know, we're, we're on our own. That's why we, you know, so often we repeat that we live for the glory of the Father through the Son, by his death on the cross, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's accomplished all that. See? And that's why the next time that, that, that you're going through life and you're, you're running into something that, that just isn't working out, and you don't say, well, how can I, how can I pull that off? How, how, how is this possible? The answer is, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing it. And so as a Christian believer, we, we, we know that, that, that here's where God is leading me, and I, I just don't see how it's going to work. But God's leading me. I'm convinced of that. The Holy Spirit will lead me through it and take care of it. And that's why if we, you know, are, are living by the Holy Spirit. If that's how salvation comes to us, then let's walk in step with the Holy Spirit of God. Let's walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, um, that, that's what Paul's talking about. We're back to chapter 5, Galatians 5, and back to um, verse 25. Take that back, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Yeah, I know we still struggle with things and there's still temptation. But here's the deal. The passions and the, and the desires are not master over us. You know. The Holy Spirit of God is. 
And so, uh, having been crucified with Christ, we don't live any longer. It's Christ who lives in us. That's what we're talking about. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. So, um, that, that flesh with the religion and the license, that's done away with. And, and so, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, and that's the only way we can live, that's the only way we can be brought to life, if we live by the Holy Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. For example, let's not be conceited. Let's not provoke any, one another. Let's not envy one another. Um, brothers, if someone is caught in, 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 a trans, in a transgression, you who are spiritual, restore them gently. Watch out for yourself. Uh, bear one another's burdens. Uh, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Um, and, and, and then uh, don't be comparing... In verse 4 when he says, let each one test his own work, he's saying, don't be comparing yourself to others because what you'll do is you'll find somebody who's doing worse than you are and you'll feel good about yourself and, and you'll think you're something when you're nothing and you're, and you're being set up for a fall. He says, you know, each one is tested according or gives an account of his own life and you stand before God in, 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 that, in that grace. And so that's what he's saying. That, that's, that's what happens in the, in the first five verses of chapter 6. He's saying, for example, here's what life in the Holy Spirit is going to me. So, um, you know, the, the what next question is we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, how does that happen? Well, I remember as a, uh, as a teenager um, reading a book. We had them back then. They were they, these things with pages in them and writing on them. But and it was a book and it was called How to Speak in Tongues. You know, and the gist of it was, you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. And the, 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 the book basically said was, just sit in a chair and babble. And after a while, it'll feel natural to you. You're speaking in tongues. That's how you know you have the Holy Spirit. I know some preschoolers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Talk about babbling, I know some uh, politicians who are filled with, okay. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit isn't some kind of emotional experience. It's, it's not talking yourself into some, some kind of mental frenzy. Here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is the reality of God, and God isn't dependent upon your emotions. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ and Lord, as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit took up resonance in your heart. That, that's not optional. It's not maybe he did. It's not if you've grown enough he did. It is the Holy Spirit took up residence in your heart. Now, as believers, we can grieve the Holy Spirit and we deny the Holy Spirit and we turn away from the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is there working all the time. Folks, this is why you feel miserable when you sin. Natural man doesn't care if he sins. Christian believer is devastated when he sins. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Praise God for the grace that convicts us of our sin. Uh, that's why you, you have a sense that there's something more to righteousness than, than just what the world says is, is the good life because you know that the righteousness has to do with who God is. Look, you didn't figure out that out yourself. You didn't take philosophy courses to figure out that the highest good, the summum bonum, is God. And the Holy Spirit told you and revealed to you that the righteousness of God is the standard for life. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. When you know that there is a judgment on all sin, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this. He said the Holy Spirit is going to convince you about sin and righteousness and the judgment. 
Jesus went on to say, this is John 16, Jesus went on to say, and the Holy Spirit is going to tell you everything about me. He's going to remind you of me. He's going to tell you about my glory. So every time, you know, that, that you've been overwhelmed with a sense of the majesty of God, that was the Holy Spirit doing that within you. Every time you've been overwhelmed with the love and the compassion of Christ, that was the Holy Spirit working in your life. Okay. So, you know, to, to live and to walk in the Holy Spirit, it's, it's not a matter of try harder, uh, and it's, it's not a matter of, oh, you know, try to zone out until you have this mystical experience. Life in the Holy Spirit begins by just confessing the need of the Spirit. Understanding that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, and that'll take us away from lying upon the flesh. That'll take us away from being impressed with our own religiosity. That'll make us impressed with Jesus Christ. So first of all, just, just acknowledge, I need the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, start praising God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's working all around you. You got up this morning, unless you slept here overnight, but you got up this morning, and the first breath you took was a gift of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, your whole life you're surrounded by the Holy Spirit. So you know, just just start looking. Just start saying, God, re- reveal that to me. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, uh, the the other day when when uh, you wanted to get angry, you know, and I stopped you from that. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. You know. Start looking for the work of the Holy Spirit and praising and thanking God for the work of the Holy Spirit. And then pursue um, the Spirit. Seek to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures tell us what God is doing in, in, in the world. Yeah. Life in the body of Christ is, is an environment in which we encourage one another to live for Christ and make Him manifest. That's all done by the Holy Spirit. All the work of the Holy Spirit. See, And because of that... There's nothing we cannot do if God asks us to do it. And there's nothing we ought to do if God didn't. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And so, um, this morning, uh, if you live by the Spirit, and that's the only way you can be alive, if you've come to Christ by the Holy Spirit, and that's the only way you got there, whether you, you know, you may have come as a child, you didn't use this, all this language, you had to grow and to understand it. But look, folks, when you came to Christ, it was the gracious work of the Holy Spirit to bring you to the Father. If you live by the Spirit, let's walk in step with the Spirit. Let's let our lives be about the things that the Holy Spirit is doing within us for the praise of the glory of God's grace in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, just this moment I'm reminded that we don't even know how to pray as we ought to, but your Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings too deep for words. And so I'm praying for the people in this room. Father, for my my brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that that, that the the Spirit would be poured out upon each one and that there would be this, this renewing and reviving work that would cause that that first love to return for Christ in which we would dare great things for him. Father, I'm praying for that one who is struggling, who has been trying to live on their own power and strength and wisdom. Father, let your Holy Spirit work in that heart. Bring that person to the joy of walking in step with the Spirit. Father, for that one who does not know Jesus, Let your Holy Spirit bring the conviction, the confession, and the conversion. And I ask this all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
into the world, light into my life. I will live for you alone. You're the one I see, knowing I will find. 